And I want to just in, in, invite you to grab your Bibles and turn open a couple of places together. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Philippians chapter 2. And so if you want to be in those three places, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, 1 Corinthians 11, and then Philippians 2. As we approach the table of the Lord tonight, I'm just thankful that we have the opportunity to do so with a desire to remember. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse number 25, uh, we have this instruction from the Lord. It says, And after the same manner, he also, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, we gather for that purpose of remembering. I never want to forget the sacrifices that uh, Jesus Christ made for us. We should go to great lengths, I believe, as a church and individually to remember all that Christ gave up. Remember, He gave up the glories of heaven to come to the earth to live as a pauper and to die as a thief. Jesus Christ truly is worthy of remembering. And that's why as uh, on the eve of His death, He said, as often as you do this, He says, do it in remembrance. And tonight as we gather, I want to remind you that His sacrifices for us are both gruesome and glorious. They're gruesome to consider all that the Son of God was put through, and yet so, so powerful uh, was the, the sacrifice that He laid. But at the same time, they are glorious because without the sacrifices of Jesus Christ, we have nothing on which to hang our hopes for eternal life. And so 2 Corinthians 8 lays out a, this beautiful truth for us, and it's really going to be the theme of our, our message tonight as we look at death brings life. And as 2 Corinthians 8 lays out this tr biblical truth, Paul is emphasizing this great need in this church uh, in, Cor in Corinth to see the example of the churches in Macedonia. And so in verse number 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. And so he encourages this church in Corinth by the example of the church in churches in Macedonia, who were not a wealthy church, but they were a church that loved God supremely. And then he also points out in, verse, uh, in the following verses the great uh, example of Jesus Christ in verse number 9, our, our text tonight. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. And as we look at these verses this evening, I want to draw two main points from this as we prepare for the Lord's Supper and prepare our hearts, prepare our lives, prepare our mind to, to really to worship Jesus Christ tonight. And so let us do so as we begin in prayer. Father, we just want to say we love you. We're humbled tonight by the truth that you gave up the glories of heaven so that we could enjoy the riches of it ourselves. Lord, that you would come to this earth and, Lord, that you would live so simply and die for us. Lord, that you would do what you did. Lord, it's just astounding to consider. And tonight, as we remember, may we also be convicted. Lord, to never forget. Lord, to continue to propagate the gospel and to carry it into all the world. And so, Father, we ask you that tonight the power of the Spirit would be upon this place as we just look to you and ask you for your leadership. Lord, we ask you for uh, your blessings and we ask you, God, that you might be glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As we look here tonight in the scriptures, I want to remind you of two great things. The first off, the Savior's humiliation. We're instructed by the Word of God that each time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're to remember. Remember all that God has done for us. And if we take time to remember, we remember His sacrifice and we remember all that it brought for us. But before we get to that, we have to also understand who He is. And so let's look at first His deity because uh, before we can understand all that He went through, we must also be reminded that He is first and foremost God. He never gave up His deity to become man, did He? And so as, as humans today, we look at Him and we worship Him because He has always been God. He was even God when He was here on this earth, when He was nailed on that cross. He will always be God. And one day, the Bible says in Philippians 2, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, to the glory of God the Father. And so the Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians that though Christ was rich, He became poor. And He did so willingly. This is the, the kenosis or the self-emptying of Christ. He willingly laid down and laid aside all the glories of heaven and took upon Him the rags of this world. In Hebrews, I'm just amazed every time I get into Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 2 as we learn about the, the, uh, the fact that, that man was made a little lower than the angels. And then I'm astounded by the fact that God would choose to be made in, in the image of man, even which, which alludes to me the great humility of our Savior. Listen, I want to remind you of a couple of things here from the Scriptures. In John chapter 3, you can look at, at this truth together. John 3 and verse number 31, it says, He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of, of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth, and he that cometh from heaven is above all. And so we see that Jesus Christ has eternally existed and forever past, amen? And, and he has always been, and so we are thankful for that. But also we see that he, he was involved not only in eternity, but in, in creation at the very beginning of our time. In John chapter 1 and verse number 3, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so the accusation from the Jews were that Christ made himself the Son of God. And so they, they said, well, he said he was the Son of God. And, and the truth is, and, and this is what it says in John 19, 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. But the truth is he has always eternally been the Son of God. Cults today still want to propagate this false idea that Christ became God or Christ uh, was just a good teacher and therefore were warned against those that reject the truth that Jesus Christ is God who came in the flesh. In 2 John chapter, uh, verse number 7, it says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And so we see here the, the great truth that Jesus Christ is God. It is established. And I can give you lots and lots of Scripture throughout the Bible. And I just encourage you, if you're, you're questioning this or you're, you, you want to know more about the deity of Christ, I, I implore, you, implore you to get in the book of John. It will teach you so, so richly from its truth. And so we, I want to just begin to transition then that as God, He came in the flesh. This is what we call His incarnation. The term incarnation does not actually appear in the Scripture, but its components do, in and flesh. In John chapter 1 and verse number 14, we see, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And so that's what Jesus Christ did. As God, He came in the flesh, and we were able to behold the glory of God in, through Jesus Christ's life here on earth. But it's not that He was just made into flesh, but we see that He became sinful flesh for us. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 3 says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So we see that Jesus Christ here was made into this same vile image that we carry around every day, but we, we are thankful that He had no sin. Amen. He is completely and totally sinless, sinless as He was on this earth, but He bore our sin on the cross. In the book of Philippians, I want you to turn there with me in Philippians chapter 2 because it is the, the greatest picture throughout Scripture, I think in my mind, of the, just the emptying of Christ as He, uh, as God, came to this earth and emptied of him, uh, was willing to empty Himself on the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. We'll read verses 5 through 8 there together. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so, as Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he's beginning to describe this, this willingness of Christ to just empty himself. And, and really, as Christians, we're called to the same level of humility. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And this is what he did. He says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And so we see here that, that Jesus Christ and the Father are equal. And we see that here in verse number 6, that who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Listen, he didn't come as a king. He doesn't come in the glorious manner. The only, only time we really see uh, people uh, lauding His praises, maybe we see it several times, but the greatest example would be on Palm Sunday, and it was just a few days after that they crucified Him. How fickle we can be. May we never forget what Jesus has done. And He goes on in verse 8, and He says, And being found in, in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen, we bore His body to the cross. Each time we remember this truth of Christ, we're benefiting. Every time we come back to this table, we benefit as a church. Every time we remember that He was bruised, that He was beaten for us, even when we despised, when we, we despised Him, we are benefiting. Isaiah chapter 53 describes this in the prophet as he wrote about it in earlier in the, in before Christ was born. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, what a, what a sad thing that Jesus went through. What, a, what a, a, a gruesome event 
and we could describe the scourgings and we could describe the, the, the crown of thorns and we could describe how they plucked his beard and we could describe these things, but I would urge you to re-read and re-read those, the, the end of the Gospels as it describes the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Because the real thing tonight is to, re, is to remember to never forget the cost of our great salvation. Never forget what Christ gave up so that we might go free. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 9. Again, I want to just reiterate this truth. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was all because of God's grace. Not because we deserved it. Because grace is truly unmerited favor. And as He pours out that favor upon us, we see that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. That ye through His poverty might be rich. The truth is we deserve hell. The truth is that we, we uh, receive, instead of, what we, uh, instead of hell, we receive grace, grace from Jesus Christ. And so I urge you to remember the cost of this salvation. This one that laid down his life, that received the stripes, that endured the torment, that experienced agony, this is the one that we worship today. This is the one that we want to remember together tonight. Because because of his sacrifice, the saints enjoy great riches. Man, what, a, what an incredible thing. We could, we could spend hours counting the riches of Christ. And, and truly, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8 reminds us of this. But he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. We are rich tonight. If you know Christ is your Savior, well, you are richer beyond your wildest dreams. Let me tell you, Bill Gates, Jeff Be- Bezos, and all of those guys, Warren Buffett, they have nothing on what we have. I want to remind you that we are a blessed people with a powerful message And the time to pronounce it is right now. We don't have to hang our head in defeat because Christ didn't stay on that cross. He didn't stay in an empty grave. Up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph for His foes. That's the Jesus we worship today. And so what does it bring for us? What are the benefits? And the greatest benefit is being able to know God. What a joy. What a joy tonight that that as a believer tonight, we can be reminded that we can know God and know Him personally and know Him intimately. John number 1 and verse 18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. When you know Jesus Christ, you know the Father. When Jesus came, He allowed us to have a first-hand account of what it's like to know God. He is God. And we get the opportunity tonight to walk with Him. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you prepare for yourself for work, Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, every day of the week, we have the privilege of choosing to walk hand in hand, side by side with God, all because of what Jesus has done. That is part of the riches of, our, of, of salvation. That is part of the riches of what Jesus has done for you and for me, is that He gives you the privilege of truly knowing God. But not only that, He also offers the payment for sin. I appreciate what uh, Charles Ryrie said. He said, sin requires death for its punishment. God does not lie. Uh, Excuse me, God does not die. So the Savior must be human in order to be able to die. But the death of an ordinary man would not pay for sin eternally. So the Savior must also be God. We must have a God-man Savior, and we do in our Lord. Hebrews 10 is a very vivid description of the tremendous cost of our sin. And through the blood of the uh, bulls and uh, though through the centuries the blood of bulls and goats was spilt, 
It was not possible, as Hebrews 10 tells us, that it could take away sins. And therefore, Christ came to do the will of the Father. He came to be the sacrifice once and for all for our sins. Look at Hebrews 10 with me. We're going to look at three verses together. Hebrews 10, verses 7 through 10, and we'll see this, the glorious truth here. I guess technically it would be four verses. It says, Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me. And this is Jesus, he says, To do thy will, O God. And when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's what he's done. That's the glories of, of the riches of, our, of what we have inherited because of Jesus Christ. We have, we have received from Him just a, a beautiful bounty of His great riches and liberality tonight. And tonight we can rejoice in that truth. And we can rejoice in, in just the graciousness of God because we receive a wonderful inheritance. Ephesians 1 and verse number 8 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. If we were to be honest tonight, we would have to say that the riches of God are not something that we could cover in a short time. And I've already been told that many of you are anxious to go and find out how badly one of the teams is losing. You can fill in the blank there. But I don't want to negate this fact, that truly we are blessed. Truly, as His people tonight, we are blessed beyond measure. Ephesians 3.8 reminds us that all that God has given us, all the riches, are truly unsearchable. There's no way we could know all of the blessings of salvation that Jesus Christ has bought on the, on the cross. And so I, urge, I invite you now to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because I want you to remember. Remember, remember and stir your heartstrings. Allow the tears to flow once again out of a heart full of thankfulness for the incredible riches of Christ. That we never grow, grow calloused toward His sacrifice. That we never forget and, and neglect to say, thank you, Lord. And so as we prepare for the Lord's Supper tonight, I urge you, first off, purify your life. Purify your life and prepare to come and take the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes to the church here and he's trying to straighten out some, some of their issues they've got going on in the church. And, and so he says in verse number 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which He portrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also He took the cup, and when He had supped, saying, This cup is the, new, uh, is the New Testament in my blood, this do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, 
And so he gives a warning here to the church in Corinth, but also some instruction. And tonight as we prepare our own selves, uh, our desire is in our preparation that we examine. Examine your heart. Examine our motives. Examine to make sure, as that old song says, there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's no sin there between me and the Lord. Nothing, no bitterness or hardness between me or a brethren. And there's nothing there that would hinder me from the ability to be able to take the Lord's Supper together with those in this room. But also, I urge you to remember, maybe tonight as we go to the invitation, if you just want to stop you want to pray and thank God for what He's done. There's no greater prayer to, to pray than just be willing to say, Lord, thank you.